Thanks, guys. So, as I said, my name's Tim, and I'm the new youth worker uh, here at, at Forest Town. Thank you for such an amazing welcome, um, and it's lovely to, to have your prayers and your support. Uh, today, uh, I want to share why that is one of my proudest moments in life. I want to uh, share with you a little bit about perseverance and explore together what that means for us as a church. Anne's been taking us through uh, Mark's Gospel and the call to go, and I think we'll continue with that and come back to that. Um, but today we're just going to take a bit of a, a, an aside, um, but we might refer to some of that stuff. So, great, we can, uh, uh, there's enough of the Rocky, it's Rocky by the way, the theme tune, in case you were guessing. Um, I've heard this is a pretty sporty church, um, that a few of you like your footy, yeah? A few of you like your footy, yeah, a few around. As, uh, Arsenal fans, well done, that was, a, that was probably goal of the season yesterday, that was impressive. Um, a few more like the rugby, yeah? A few more out there like the rugby, Around here, in fact, I was really tempted to wear my England rugby shirt today, uh, but then I thought about it and thought, well, actually, there's a chance that I might end up playing rugby against some of you guys, and I think you'd make me feel that in a tackle if I if I wore that. So I realised there's very various nations represented here. Um, but I wonder if anybody, hands up, has anybody done the ultimate and run a marathon? Has anybody in, in the church done a marathon? Okay. Can you just stand up if you've run a marathon in your own life? I'd love to give these guys just a massive cheer, because that's an amazing achievement. Well done, guys. Now, I've never run a marathon, but uh, I've trained with someone who was, was kind of going towards it, and he, he ran it. And I can tell you, just from the training that we did, 26.2 miles is a flipping long way. <laughs> it really is. It's a really long way. And... Uh, I know just from that training that, that I did that marathon is really tough to run. In fact, my friend Dave, uh, he ran, recently ran the Loch Ness Marathon. He said, about 19, 20 miles, it feels like your whole body is just screaming at you saying, stop running, stop running. And the only thing that kept him going was knowing that it's the quickest way to get to the end of it. It's just to get to the finishing line and stop. It's a, it's a tough one to do. Um, but I want to just compare for a moment running a marathon and leading the Christian life. I want to just kind of look at some parallels. They're both hard. You know, Jesus said that we will have trouble. In John 16, he says you will face trouble. They both require some kind of training. I mean, as a Christian, much of your training happens, if you like, on the job. You know, but you have that process of being made like Christ. That process of being trained, discipled. And then they both have an end goal, a prize, an aim, your thing you're aiming for. You know, we, we aim for Jesus. We aim for, for heaven. We aim to, to know him more. And marathon runners aiming for that finishing line. And as a bit of a plea from your youth worker, right off the bat, my, if I could have one plea today, you give me one, it would be this. I want to be here for the long haul. I want to be here for the long distance, the marathon distance. Youth working is one of the quickest turnaround uh, professions uh, there is. You know, often after six months, a year, two years, many youth workers uh, become disillusioned or tired or cynical. And I, I want to set out my stall to say, I want to be here for the long haul. So just encourage your patience and your support and your prayers to, to have the, the marathon distance in mind. Now, I know you've been wondering about that photo, so we'll just go back to it for a moment. So this was a very prestigious event. If you want to move on, thanks very much. This is a very uh, prestigious event, this, this one we saw earlier. Uh, went, yeah, next one, thanks, mine. Um, so the Queen, unfortunately, couldn't make it, but I know if she hadn't been busy, she would have. 
This was the inter-cub 400 meters race. This is as top as it gets, okay? This is really important. And I remember the course, it was in Sheffield, and you'd go round a park, and of course in Sheffield, it started off with a big hill. Sheffield has lots of hills. But I remember my tactics were get into second, try and stay in second, and then try and just burst through at the last bit. But as the race started, and the hill got steeper, I found myself slipping back to third and to fourth, and just sort of like, like you're, you're running through treacle, you know, everyone else seems to just be on like a, a, a treadmill going forwards, and you seem to be on one going backwards. So, in other words, the race got tough. For the rest of this morning, I want to share with you uh, what happens when the race gets tough, how we can have that perseverance. How can we keep going? Okay, I'm going to share with a couple of, of barriers to perseverance, a couple of things that will hold us back from keeping going, and I'll share a couple of things that will help us to keep going as well. Is that okay? Cool. Right, so, for a moment, you can close your eyes if you like, lay back, imagine that you're on a boat. Well, you can move that one on. We've, we might have some music for this as well, just uh, quite in the background. Imagine you're on a boat, and you're lying there in the jacuzzi, and you can hear the waves just kind of lapping up against the boat. It's lovely, it's gorgeous and sunny. And then, out of nowhere, this huge, heavy artillery shell comes and lands about two meters from the boat and explodes, and water flies everywhere, and the boat rocks, and you jump out of the jacuzzi pretty quick, and uh, you get your towel, because you would, and then you go to see the captain, and you're like, right, what's going on here, okay? I'm lying in the jacuzzi, then this heavy artillery shell almost hit the boat, you know, completely disturbed my peace. What's going on? And the captain says, well, I don't know what you expect, but you realize this isn't a luxury cruise. This is a live battleship that you're on here. And he's a little bit confused where on earth you found the jacuzzi in the first place on the live battleship. <laughs> One of the first barriers to perseverance is to have just the wrong expectations of what the Christian life is about. Okay? You, it isn't a luxury cruise liner. It's a battleship. Okay? If you're lying in the jacuzzi, be grateful that you're experiencing a jacuzzi in life, but then know that you're here for a battle, and get on your gear for war, yeah? So sometimes our expectations get completely out of sync. So if that's where you're at, just reevaluate those expectations and realize that life is going to be tough. If you're not a Christian here today, let me tell you, being a Christian doesn't make life easy, doesn't solve all your problems, okay? Let me be really honest with you there. However, I also want to say, it's the very relationship you were made for, that God loves you so much yeah, he died for you, loves you so much, and his love is like nothing else in life that you could experience. So, you know, it's totally worth it, but it is tough. And let's have a quick look at, at, at Daniel. We heard about Daniel earlier. Um, these ones can come up on the screen, thanks, Wayne. We'll just shoot through them. Just think what Daniel went through. So, you know, he starts off um, with his Jerusalem getting besieged. You know, there's the holy city of Israel, and then the temple itself is ransacked and looted, God's holy temple. Um, Daniel is still a young man. And he's effectively kidnapped as a prisoner of war. Um, his freedom is completely taken away. Um, he's separated from his friends and his family, his homeland and his cult customs. You know, I find it hard just going to France and fill out a place. But you're completely transferred to you know, a completely different culture. He's sneered at people, uh, by people and you know, they're jealous of him, all the other um, people working there. He's persecuted for his faith and, and, you know, and tried to put pressure on him to deny it. And then ultimately, he's threatened with death. 
Yeah, that's a, a pretty tough going of it. What about Hudson Taylor? You know, we, we heard the news of brilliance to hear him then finding out about his life and missionary to China. Let's have a look at what he went through. Well, he's nearly shipwrecked when he first goes to China on his first trip there. He then arrives and is thrown straight into the midst of a civil war. He's, he's badly received when he does get there by the Chinese. They, in fact, they referred to him as the Black Devil because he wore this long overcoat. And, you know, they, they had this name for him. And then they didn't like him. And then, like, the, the English who sent him didn't like him either because he's dressed like the Chinese. So he's persecuted from, by both. Um, all the medical supplies he's brought across to, to give the Chinese to help them, they got burnt up in a fire. And then himself, he was attacked and robbed of nearly everything he owned. So not only is the things he's brought across to help gone, but also even his own possessions are gone. Um, his first child died shortly after childbirth, and later they, they lost another one too. Really tough. He has health problems at just age 28 and has to go back to England for a time. Um, he's nearly, when he does go back to China, he's nearly shipwrecked again. And then there's this unity in the team that limits their effectiveness throughout the missionary work. So, again, it's, it's a, there's some tough going, things of going there. Yet he was a fantastic missionary to China, and he had a profound effect on the world as we now know it. But there's tough stuff to go through. So, just to say, if you're going through tough stuff, you're not alone, okay? I know it, it will throw up questions of why and what has come from. Just to take encouragement from, you know, it doesn't mean that you're off the track you're on the wrong track, you know, that, that we, we do face tough things in life. You know, if you're still not convinced, have a read of Paul's missionary journeys, because he gets attacked almost everywhere he goes. So that's our, our first barrier, really, is if, if our expectations aren't quite right, then, we'll, then when we, we face tough stuff, we all kind of get thrown off track. I've got a second one, um, which um, is basically about uh, what having a sustainable life pattern, you know, having a, a life pattern that's going to keep us going. I need a couple of uh, volunteers. I need three volunteers for that. So if you've been sitting very quietly and you would like to get involved, pop your hand up if you'd like to come and give us a hand. We need three people. Yes, Seth, I hope you come. Oh, we need three. Oh, so who can join Seth? I promise you won't get wet. Just to say that, you're okay. Yep, I hope you come. Okay, Seth, can you hold that for me? Brilliant. Could you just stand in the middle for me? And could you stand at the end? Thanks very much. Right. We have Mr. Physical. Okay, this is Mr. Physical. Go like that. Yes, Mr. Physical. We have Miss Emotional. Okay, that's not because you are emotional, just because you experience emotions. And Miss Spiritual. Okay? Physical, emotional, spiritual. Now, you're going to have to stand very carefully here, but I'm going to put one of these under each of you. We've not done a dress rehearsal for this, so... Okay. Now, I like to think about our physical and our emotional and our spiritual buckets. Okay? So, we can skip on way into the bucket if you like. So, Mr. Physical, one of the things that I find really fills my physical uh, bucket is to get enough sleep. You know, I get good rest. There you go. So, I'm just going to fill you up, Mr. Physical. There you go. Great. And for me, emotionally, I find that a good game of five-a-side footy when, I comp- when I'm completely knackered, whatever I've carried into that game, once I've kind of run around for an hour, and I'm, you know, I'm hot and I'm sweaty and I need a shower, but some of the emotional side of things, I, I'm able to just kind of take a step back from and kill, cope with that, mu- that much better. It really fills me up emotionally. That's me. For some of you guys, that would be shopping. I don't know how it is, but I, for some of you, it would be. Okay, and 
um, for me, spiritually, when I, when I really need to get refilled spiritually, um, there's nothing for me like coming and just worshipping and spending time in God's presence. That, that just fills me up, up spiritually. Some of you guys getting into a really good commentary or a book, that would really fill you up. But the thing about it is over time we do leak as well. So hold it very still. I'm going to come underneath you here. Just watch your fingers. Can I just grab it to you now? Thank you. Okay, you're going to have to hold this very carefully. You ready? Good man. Excellent. Okay, we do leak over time. I've got a hole yet. There you go. Okay, and the things that kind of leak, tend to leak on us, if you like, are kind of where we, we're giving out in these different areas. So physically, spiritually, emotionally. Now, that is not a bad thing that we do that. You know, for me, let's say it's a pastoral situation where I really need to communicate to somebody, I'm listening to you, I, I value what you're saying, I really want to be there for you, I really want to communicate to that. And that's a really good thing to be doing. But I do find that it also will drain me. After a while, if I, if I do lots and lots of that, if I don't keep topping myself up, then I find that I'm draining. So, there you go, a bit more physical. Good rest. A bit more emotional. Oh, spiritually, you're holding together very well. Well done. <laughs> I don't know if that's a prophetic sign. Um, so, just as an analogy, basically, how is your sustainable life pattern? Are you topping up physically, emotionally, spiritually? Is there an area there where you're giving out and giving out and actually finding that you're not managing to top up? You're not managing to, to recuperate what you've done? Guys, pop the cups in the, in the bowls for me. Give them a round of applause for being excellent. Thank you very much. Okay. Wayne, we'll move on. I'll find out where I'm at. So, a couple of, there's a couple of barriers to, um, to, to perseverance, okay? Have we got a sustainable life pattern? Have we got a, a wrong expectations of, of what we're in for? We move on again, Wayne. I think we've got one more barrier which might um, get in the way, and that would be to have a coin slot faith. Now, what I mean by this is the sort of idea when you put a coin into the candy machine, what drops out? A candy. Brilliant. So if you put a prayer into the God machine, what drops out? What you asked for. And that's very much how my faith was when I grew up. That was the kind of experience I, I had. I went, in fact, on a, a discipleship year, a year out, uh, and basically I had two things I wanted. I wanted to meet with God, and I wanted to have some sense of where I was going in life, what he wanted me to do with my life. So I set aside a year for that, and I, I wrote an envelope, uh, I wrote a, a prayer in an envelope which said, break me, melt me, mold me, fill me. That was, a, that was my prayer, and I sealed it. And the plan was to open it at the end of the year. The year had its ups and its downs. But at the end of the year, I opened it up, and I've got to say, what I overwhelmingly felt was suddenly a sense of disappointment. I felt like, gosh, I don't think that's happened. I don't, still don't know actually what I'm called to do. I still don't actually really know what, what it's about. And I, I'm not sure how much have I met God, with God this year, and I, I felt disappointment. Then I, I felt a sense of, of anger of, oh God, how? I could, I've given you a year of my life. How could that happen? And I'd come to God in times of worship and actually leave feeling a little bit lower than when I started. And it was felt like, well, that's unfair. God, you, you promised to comfort those who are downhearted. In actual fact, God was meeting with me, but he had to break 
what I had in order to remake it. What I had was that coin stop faith that when I said jump, God had to jump. And he had to break that in order for him to really be able to, to love me well, for me to receive that love, for me to know him better. But it was painful. It was hard, hard, hard stuff. Now, um, it's, it is a tough process to go through, but I want to kind of say that that is a process that often I think we all need to go through at some point in our lives. So how about you? How do you find persevering through difficulty even when you don't necessarily know the answers? Is it okay to have a bit of mystery there in the faith and still to, and still to trust? It's a hard one. It's a hard one. I, I, I want to put in the opposite as well. I'm not saying that we should just bury our head in the sand and just pretend that everything's okay in those times. I'm really not saying that. I think we should be honest with God, honest with others. You know, church is a family where we can come and do that. I'd encourage you to, to dig into the Psalms as a great place to find your voice. All I'm saying is, when it comes to it, it's got a, a pocket-sized God for you where, he, where he, you, know, you can bring him out and, he, and you say, well, this is what you need to do. Or is it okay for God to know and you not to have all the answers? Well, that's where I want to land on that. So that's a bit of a barrier to perseverance. Okay, let's move on. Let's go back to the race, I think. Okay, that wonderful picture. By the way, what was I thinking on my fashion sense? I don't know. Um, back to the race. And we're coming towards the end of it now. And, you know, I'd left it on a cliffhanger. The hill was steepening. But I kept going because I wanted to win. And I kept going because my dad was cheering me on. And I kept going because I wanted that, to reach that finishing line and get that inter-cub 400 meter me- meters medal. You know, that prize. And I want to kind of share some of the, the tools that help us to keep going, if you like, some of the encouraging things. Uh, Hebrews 12, I think, uh, is our next bit, comes up with, I'll just read it worse. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God, right hand of the throne of God. Jesus had a long view. He had the eternal perspective. He was fixing his eyes on the finish line. He knew why he came. In fact, if you look at Luke's gospel, it's like every single paragraph starts with, as Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, as he was going to Jerusalem, 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 Jerusalem. It's like, we get it, Luke. Okay? We get what you're trying to say. Yeah, it's all, he's always on the way there. Jesus has got his eyes on the goal. For us to persevere, we need to have that same eternal perspective, that we are citizens of heaven, foreigners in this land, that we, we are on the way to eternal destination, you know, with Jesus as our prize, and fixing our eyes on him will help us to be encouraged and to keep going. Now, uh, those of you who sat still for, for long enough, I've got a bit of a challenge, if you are, are young or young at heart. Somewhere in this room, maybe around one of the tables, but you've got to be careful with the things that are on that table, there might be some kind of golden treasure there. And I'd just like to offer you, in a moment, when I say, go for it, you can find me that golden treasure and bring it to me if you would like to take part. Okay, you ready? Off you go. Go and find me golden treasure. Go find me golden treasure. Might have to look around a table. Might have to look maybe even under a table. It might be under. It might be around. It's not near the mess. You don't need to touch that mess again. It's okay. promise you. <laughs> try, try under a table maybe if you find it bring it to me 
Not the communion. That is treasure, but not, not kind of treasure. So uh, it's golden, this one, I promise. Anyone found it yet? Oh, you're warmer over there. You're warmer over there. Definitely warmer. Definitely warmer, yep. You're very hot around there. Not the kids' table. Seth, you're close. Try near table. Try near the table. I'm now wondering if actually someone already found it and pinched it. But <laughs> Have you found it? If you have, then bring it. Ooh. Mm. Apparently not. I, I, someone might have found it and moved it, or... No. You know, when I said it wasn't near the mess, <laughs> it might be near the mess after all. Go for it, go quick, it might be near the mess, it might be near the mess. Really brilliant, well done. Thank you. Brilliant. What's your name? Judah. Thanks, Judah. Okay, guys, have a sit down. Judah, you're such an honest guy. Just handed over his golden treasure. No problem. Such a good guy. Sorry, I, sorry, I lied. That table, by the way, started over there today. That's 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 why. Right, Judah, your golden treasure. You can have those chocolates when Daddy says so. Okay, yeah. Now, Jesus tells a story about a man who found a treasure in a field. And that treasure was so valuable to him that he went away and sold everything he had in order to buy that field. It's a simple message. For kids, it's chocolate. Okay? But it's also, for us, it's Jesus. Okay? He is the treasure that's worth everything. And it's having our eyes on him that help us to persevere. Yeah? Okay. To take the long view, I've got one more tool I'd like to share with you. Um, if we move on. Oh, sorry. This is, this is Hudson Taylor, sorry. This is Hudson Taylor expressing that another way. He said, if I had a thousand pounds, China should have it. If I had a thousand lives, China should have them. No, not China, but Christ. Can we do too much for him? Can we do enough for such a precious saviour? You know, his, his experience of, I experienced Jesus, and now I just, I can't do enough. I want to give away my very self for him. That was Hudson Taylor. It's a brilliant quote. So I want to share just one more uh, tool with you. Yeah, we, we, we've, uh, we've talked about the fact that we need to take that long view to keep our eyes on Jesus. I'd also say it's important for us to learn to celebrate, okay, to celebrate what God has done rather than focusing on what he hasn't. Okay, I, I'm English, I'm one of the worst for this, and our culture is steeped in this cynicism, which is always looking for the worst of situations or work, looking for when things will go wrong or fall. And I just want to say that as a church, let's be different to that culture. Let us stand out as those who... Thank God for what he has done and focus on the good things that he has done rather than focusing on things he hasn't yet. Okay. Um, I have a rule in life, and it's, uh, it's the no, no golf clap rule. Okay, do you know what a golf clap is? It's, uh, it's when like, someone puts a ball at golf and it's kind of this little ripple of, of applause. Very polite. Okay. But um, when someone gets up to share a story or a testimony that God's done in their lives, you know, I say no golf claps. Go for it. Go, yes, well done. Yes, Jesus. Thank you so much. Okay. Last time I checked isn't a library, okay? <laughs> so it's okay to let out of a bit of emotion. And two things happen when you do. Number one, that person just receives your, you're cheering them on. You're saying, yes, I'm with you. Well done. Great stuff. Or that's amazing. Praise God. And the second thing is, is well, you engage yourself and, and you get blessed. Because as, as you say, yeah, I, I received that. That's amazing. I'm really accepting of that good news. And it, it comes into you as well. 
Okay, so kind of focusing on what God has done and celebrating it is a really good tool for persevering, okay? Because rather than focusing on what he hasn't done, we're focusing on what he has. Over the past few weeks, I've had the chance to work a, a, a temp job just up in uh, St. Neots at a warehouse. And I had the privilege of just hanging out with a bunch of guys there, doing warehouse stuff. I'm, I'm the, the least manly person in the warehouse. I was like looking at the drill thinking, I don't even know how to use this. Um, but the guys around are really accepting and that. And um, yeah, I don't know why I showed that, what you think? Um, <laughs> we've already had the DIY chat, and uh, yeah, it's, it's not good. <laughs> we've already said we'll have to share those duties if that works out. Um, but I got the privilege just to share a little bit of the good news of, 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 of Jesus, um, not kind of bashing anyone with the, with the Bible, just as it came up in conversation. And in fact, the last day there was really odd. It was like the boss pretty much organized a day just with me. All the other guys had gone to work at a different warehouse. It was just me that he invited just to spend the day, if you like, doing some, do, um, doing some wrapping, doing some, uh, 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 some work. And he pretty much, off the start of the back of the day, started just asking me questions about faith. And he self-confessed, said, you know, I don't believe any of this. I've, I've not got any of this background. I don't really understand any of this. But it was just pretty much, it seemed to organize the day to kind of ask more about it. It was a real privilege. At the end of the day, uh, I invited him to come to church that Sunday. And he said, yeah, I'd love to. But later he texted and said, that's not really for me. I just don't think it's, it's quite me. And I'm honest, I, I was gutted, really gutted. I was like, oh, you know, I really thought he was going to come. But as I reflected on it, I was able to say, well, actually, do you know what? It was such a privilege to be able to share a little bit of faith, such a privilege to share a bit of my story, such a privilege just to share a bit of good news, to kind of mention the Alpha course to him. You know, all those things that actually I had to thank God for. Rather than focusing, okay, he didn't come that Sunday. And Mark, if you're listening, God loves you. You're welcome. Come to Forest Town. Come say hi. But uh, you know, focusing on what God has done in that situation was a real kind of encouragement, rather than kind of focusing on just the thing that he hadn't. So yeah, learn to celebrate. It's the second, second tool. Okay, I have one last thought to leave you with. Because we, we heard about Hudson Taylor, how he went to China. We heard about the love as we experience it and meet with Jesus. My last thought would be that that love does compel us to go out. Okay, we're thinking about going. My all-time favorite, sec- second favorite film, if we have it up, is Schindler's List. Have you got a picture of it, is that way? Brilliant. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's about a, a, a businessman in Germany at the time of World War II who uses his money, basically, to buy the lives of people to come and work, uh, of Jews to come and work in his factory. Okay? He saves them from the concentration camps by literally buying them to be workers for him. And he sends himself bankrupt doing this. And there's this incredible scene near the end where he's looking at what he's got left. He looks at um, his car. You know, he's about to go into hiding you know, from, the, from the Nazis. And he, he's about to go, but he's looking at his car and he's saying, that's two or three more lives right there. I could have sold the car. And then he looks at his ring and goes, that's, that's a life maybe there. There's a ring on my finger. Why have I kept the ring? I could have got rid of it. And the secretary turns to him and says these words that are just so powerful, let them drop right into your soul. He says, generations will exist because of what you've done. Generations will exist because of what you've done. And that, that guy, and, and there is, Schindler's Jews, who are generations of people who are alive today because of, of what he did. And for us as Christians, you know, the, the acts of service we do, the, little, the lives we touch, okay, the, the difference we make, you know, one family that comes to faith, and then, you know, their children are brought up knowing Jesus. You know, maybe one of their friends uh, introduces their friend to Jesus. You know, maybe there's a church plant from that. 
you know, maybe down the lines, that's grown, grown into you know, 100, 200 strong. Who knows? But let generations exist because of what we do. You know, that eternal perspective, let gener- those little things that we do in reaching out, let generations exist because of that in heaven, in Jesus' kingdom. Yeah? Amen.